Hey guys, welcome back to the Max Spence Business Podcast. Today I have a very special guest, but before I jump into that, if you guys like the content I'm putting out the people I'm interviewing, please like, subscribe, leave a review. It helps out a ton with the podcast and also the people that are coming on the show. If you can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, that helps out a ton as well. So without further ado, today's guest is Buster Schur. So he's the founder of Hoops Nation, which has over 1 million followers on Instagram. He's also the host of multiple shows from the NBA to the Crew League, and he runs his own podcast, The Buster Show. It's great having you on the show today, man. Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. So for people that maybe haven't come across your content, why don't we just start with, you know, where did you grow up? Uh, Did you go to university? And what was your first passion? Yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn and then halfway through high school, moved to Connecticut. I did not go to college. And that was because I found my first passion, which was, you know, media and basketball and originally talking about fantasy basketball on the Internet. That's that's really where it started for me back on uh, on Facebook at the time. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So how so pretty much expanding from this dream, like, did you always like was it always the idea like growing up when you're in like middle school or, you know, like. 13 14 like did you want to get into the NBA or like did you have any other dreams at all or was this like just always the passion you know everybody wants to be the starting point guard for their favorite team when they're going up but you know there comes a different point in time for for everybody where that uh, realization hits you know but I think what isn't taught is that there are careers in the sports that actually last longer than playing the sports themselves and one of those is broadcasting. So I, you know, sort of realized pretty quickly that, you know, if I wanted to be around the game at a high level, uh, you know, and wanted to have a longer career than, you know, the average professional sports career, which is like five years, um, then, you know, I should, I should start, you know, building this and developing the skill. And it, it ended up paying off and I didn't even, you know, necessarily intend it to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's actually super interesting. So sort of speaking from that perspective, um, you know, you, you started this at like 14, 15, is that when you started like the broadcasting and talking about, um, fantasy, uh, you know, basketball? Yeah. I started doing girls JV field hockey games on local radio. Wow. That's, that's, that's where it starts. I, I, I did JV soccer and, uh, field hockey. And what else was I doing at the beginning? Uh, and softball I did some softball games too so oh, okay, okay. Those, those are the three that I started off with and then you know slowly worked my way up to be doing like the Friday night high school football games so oh that, that's awesome man so like what advice do you have for like you know the, the majority of my demographic is in like you know the early 20s and stuff and then I've got some younger viewers as well um you know that that would probably get a lot of like you know wisdom from hearing from you uh, about like you know 14 15 and let's say you know they're listening to this podcast right now um what like what do you recommend to them to get into like you know entertainment and broadcasting let's say they want to do the same thing as you like what, what's the best way to start i know you mentioned some of the you know how you started like you know broadcasting those smaller games and then worked your way up but do you have any other advice at all you know, like anything, you just got to get reps in. You know, broadcasting is one of those things that no matter who you are, you're not going to be good at it on the first or 10th or 50th or 100th try. You know, it's something that you, the skill you develop and work on and fine tune over years, like playing any sport. There's no difference between the skill of broadcasting and the skill of sport, except you don't need to be in shape for it. You just need to be in shape mentally, right? So, yeah. you know, 
you it's just about getting reps in and the, and the reps are available like they're there like you can go broadcast your high school game into your phone you know there are apps that allow that now where it can be you can start your own radio station through an app on your phone so for yeah. anybody telling you they don't have an opportunity they're lying Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 100%. So is, is there any other like, w- w- like, you must get message from a lot of like, uh, younger, younger people about like, um, you know, oh, they want to be a creator, like, w- w- what are some misconceptions that you think hold back a lot of creators from just going out and just doing it? Um, misconceptions that hold them back from doing it. I, I don't think there's anything that holds people back. I think you know, just the landscape in itself is a lot of turnover. There's more turnover than people think, you know, and realize. So it's very difficult, again, to maintain a career as a, uh, as a creator, especially as it gets more and more saturated on every platform. With that being said, if you're unique and authentic to yourself, which is the only way to be unique, um, you know, there's definitely places for that on every platform still. Um, but when people try to be something that they're not, that's when it usually doesn't work out. And, yeah. and, you know, things like money and fame that come to those who find a lot of success on social, that just accentuates who these, you know, people are. Uh, and sometimes that's great. Sometimes it's not. Usually it's yeah. the latter. But, uh, you know, it's, it's all interesting. But, you know, in terms of people wanting advice for, you know, doing it, again, there's no better answer than to go out and try to do it. The best time to start was yesterday than the second best is today, you know. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and I absolutely love that. Um, so now, sort of progressing as your your career sort of growed, um, how did you get a ch- the chance to go on like the NBA and then the Crew League and getting onto these shows? Like, was that from your social media following, like that gave you the opportunity to do that, or was that from like networking or something else? You know, I think it was a combination of things. One, you know, having had that experience as a broadcaster, you know, when I was. 17 I won best in the country for play-by-play um and that times having a media platform times you know having a personal brand and being friends with a lot of the guys that are involved on the NBA side and then you know obviously on the crew league side but uh sort of just a perfect storm of things where you know it's hard to find somebody else who has all those random things you know and is as passionate about them um you know, in, in the same way. So, uh, you know, I love, I love for the crew league. I love hip hop. I love interviewing artists. I also have seven years experience in broadcasting and I'm young enough as to where, you know, the demographic is, is the same. Uh, you know, it makes more sense to have me than probably a, you know, I, I don't know that many older broadcasters who like hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's when you start thinking about it, it's pretty hard to find somebody. Yeah, yeah, true. So, uh, like talking about that experience, like how how did you feel when you got like the offer to you know do a host like hosting for like, um, you know the NBA? Like, w- w- was that the first one you did? Like, w- was that like one of the first major events you did? Was like for the NBA or was it for like Crew League or was it for a- another show? So many companies. You know, I the first show I ever hosted was for a company called Overtime, and they had seven employees at the time. They were raising their series a like a couple hundred thousand dollars and since then jeff bezos drake have all invested and they're a 300 person company and i was originally there helping them build you know their first few thousand followers on instagram uh you know so all sorts of different things man could go all day talking about that but uh 
but the overtime thing was the start. Um, I worked for this guy named Gary Vaynerchuk uh, yeah. when I was 15. <laughs> and that, you know, introduced me to that whole world. And um, yeah, that, 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 know, that's, yeah. that's actually something I, I want to talk about just briefly. Uh, we're, we're getting like those jaw, like how, how did you get an internship with like Gary Vaynerchuk at like 15 years old? Yeah, so my uncle is a professor at Columbia, and he had a friend who knew that I was a fan of Gary, and he was friends with Gary from the VC world and from the wine world. So he then found out that Gary was going to come speak at his class one day and asked if I wanted to come listen. So I went in to the city. I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. I went down into the city. I was living in Connecticut at the time. Uh, and I, I did two things before I got there though. I had already been well networked with some people on his team because I was a fan of him and told them, asked them if they could tell Gary that I was gonna be there and you know, tell him who I was. I had like half a million followers at the time you know, on, on Facebook. So I, you know, there, there's something, you know, there's yeah. not much, but there's something. And uh, afterwards I just walked right up to him and introduced myself and he gave me an internship on the spot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's wow, all on YouTube too. Like super, I'm so young. Crazy. Oh, like, like, what, was this being filmed by Gary Vee? And then like you, you, that whole sort of interaction was like caught. Yeah. It's on like an old episode of daily V. Holy crap. Wow. <laughs> so funny. That, that, that's awesome. So um, now sort of moving forward, um, you know, another question I have is, you know, being a creator, um, this is like one of the most sought after jobs in the world right now. Um, you know, people in their early 20s to like teenagers are looking, you know, like, I, I want to be a creator for YouTube, TikTok, all these different apps, uh, doing things that they love, right? Um, you're around a lot of creators, like, you, like you've networked yourself, and you know, a lot of creators, uh, what do you see from the ones who, you know, make it long term, and the ones who don't? They love it. They love what they do. You know, that it, it, it sounds funny, but that is the main differentiator. I know tons of creators who don't love what they do. And that's the easiest way for me to tell that it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. You gotta love it. Like, you know, I might like the niches that I pick aren't the biggest dude. I collect like presidential signatures and signed jerseys and stuff like that. And I have a whole show talking about them. It's not the biggest niche, but you can, you can for sure tell that it's authentic you know? Yeah. And I think that people often pick bigger niches than what they're passionate about just because they want the fame and the people. Whereas mm -hmm. that's not a long-term strategy. You need to pick the niche that you love and just stick to that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then like you, you stick to that niche and then you be patient and then, you know, four or five, six years down the road, that's when it starts to like move forward. And that, 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 that's sort of what's happened to you, right? Like people might look at you and be like, oh, this guy's 20. This is an over, you know, you're an overnight success, but you've been doing this since you like, you were 14 years old from like high school. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's so like the thing with me, man. It's so it's very, very steady. Like I have never had a crazy moment or anything like that ever never had something go viral ever like yeah. on hoops nation sure but that's not me you know mm -hmm. that's that's media company on cards nation sure but personally and i don't want there to be you know it's much you know they say the the quicker you rise the harder you fall shoot i'm good at rising slowly you know <laughs> as 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 should everybody else be you know yeah 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 i i, I absolutely love that and that that like i like 
it's actually pretty funny because like you're sort of like your idealism and how you sort of speak is like very similar to sort of like I, I don't know if this is true or not but just like from what I've got so far it's like it's similar to like Gary V's sort of style of just like loving the process and loving your game um and not being you know not not being over focused on the results of the you know trying to get a viral video every single video and if it doesn't happen then you're you know you're mentally depressed and you're anxious and you're all this other stuff right so i, I absolutely love that 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 that's what you're sort of talking about and preaching learned a lot from him <laughs> awesome so um looking at your own career is is that what you like is, is that something you would say like why you've been so successful is just because you know you love what you do day in day out and you know that that's what's sort of been moving you forward yeah, you know, I think generally speaking, I'm a pretty lazy person, but the reason why it doesn't look like I'm, or the reason why I'm able to do what I do while being a super lazy person is because this is the stuff that I would do in my free time. Mm -hmm. So I'm a lazy person when it comes to like, you know, doing the stuff that I don't like, but I just naturally do the stuff that I like and then other people call it work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> so you know for for new creators in today's sort of environment um what like what advice do you have for them to you know what, what should they be focusing on to like help build their brand and expand their brand and you know get more awareness for um you know let's say if they're their niche or whatever type of videos that they're putting out like what 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 do you think they should be focusing on when, when they're creating their content you know if i were just starting i would just spend all my time making the content as good as possible, as evergreen as possible, and then putting it out on every platform, you know? Um, but I would, I, I, you know, I care a lot about it being good and, you know, culturally appropriate and things like that, because uh, you don't want to be overexposed before you're ready. And, yeah. you know, that's something I see happen. Dude, these TikTok kids, man, you know, imagine being 35 and having to look back on that it's almost like being the star of a children's tv show you know and that stuff's out there forever and if you're if you have millions of followers doing that it's very very difficult to convert your brand you know mm -hmm. and being something more mature you know so those are just the things that i would think about uh, long-term vision. It's always, it's always a good thing and allows you to be much more at peace, which is always good too. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So now sort of moving forward again, um, you know, like, how, like, I know you mentioned that you sort of love what you do. So that helps with being consistent. Um, but talking about like, let's say day, days, you don't feel like, you know, working or, you know, everybody hits those periods where it's just like, you know, you, you get em empathetic and you don't really feel like doing anything. What, what do you sort of do on those days? And I've sort of heard different responses from other entrepreneurs, but I'm always interested to ask that question, sort of see like what your own personal response is. You know, I, I'm weird because I love what I do so much. There are certain things that I don't like, like I'll take days off from editing and things like that, but podcasting and doing things like that. I literally love talking to people so much that I'm never not, I'm never saying no. Um, but you know, in terms of the other stuff, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take time off. Um, you know, hang out with people, just take days here and there. This past Tuesday, took it totally off. I did nothing. It was great. <laughs> went to the Yankees game, like just went on hikes, worked out all day. It was a great day. And yesterday yeah. I worked all day. Both were equally great, you know, but yeah. it is important to take some time off here and there. But 
you know, it's dangerous when you take, I have this whole thing, I call it no days off season. That's mostly in reference to working out and things like that. But, you know, it's true when you do take days off, it makes it easier to take another day off and then infinitely easier to take another day off. So that's the dangerous cycle. You just got to be weary of when you're allowing yourself to take time off. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. And that's like, um, that, that's something I, I can relate to heavy, like, you know, um, you know, with like weight training or, or other things like that, or like with content, so you take that one day off and then it's like, it's harder to get back into the routine instead of just like consistently just always doing a little bit every single day. Right. So yeah. That, totally that, that's, yeah. <laughs> Um, so now talking about like, you know, the whole content creation scene, uh, where do you think it's going in the future? Like where, where do you see content creators going? Like, you know, do you think there's going to be a lot more content creators starting like, um, you know, their own company and sort of merging that together with their brand? I know like some of the bigger content creators are doing it, but it, it sort of seems like the majority of that is around like, um, more brandable stuff, right? Like you're seeing a lot of them doing like, you know, let's say merch or coffee or energy drinks or something like that. There's not many that are like, let's say, I, I haven't seen any, many, many personally that are starting like, let's say a tech startup or, you know, something of that nature. Like, and where do you sort of see like, you know, the con the idea of a content creator going in the future? Yeah, I think they're going to be new platforms. I think they're going to be way more of them. But again, like I said before, there's going to be turnover too. Like we're going to see retired content creators in the next few years if we haven't already. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely think that's, that's part of where things are going, but there's going to be a lot more content creators and that's going to be, it's going to be fun, man. I love new people are good. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So talking about that, like with like, uh, I, I saw one of your posts that you were talking about, um, you know, the average timeline for like, uh, well, the ad- average span of like a content creators is shorter than I think like the NFL or maybe it was the basketball league. Uh, I saw mm. that and I was like, I was like, wow, that's absolutely crazy. Cause like the majority of content I sort of see a lot is like, you know, Logan Paul and, you know, uh, Jake Paul and, you know, David Dobrik and like PewDiePie and these other people that they, well, they've sort of stayed at the top because they're always consistently creating. But why do you think, you know, content creators are going to be retiring in the future? Well, I think it's just a matter of getting burnt out and desensitizing their audiences. Unless you grow at a scale like, you know, you just named like four of the greatest content creators ever, right? So those those guys continuously uh, make more money and then are able to raise the bar of their content. Um, But there does come a point where, your, uh, your audience gets desensitized by the oohs and ahs of the dopamine hits from your content. And the default of that is your audience, you know, not being as excited and it's not new. So they look to somewhere else, just like with TV, like anything, most shows don't make it past the first season. And there's a reason why, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I think creators are just like TV shows in that regard. And we're going to see that play out. We already have, I mean, I've seen it for the last five years, but I think that will only be more common as, you know, there are more and more creators in the market. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And actually talking about those four creators, like that, that I mentioned there, what, like, I know that you said like they have more money, so they're always able to raise the bar, but why do you sort of think that they're able to sort of stay on top and just like sort of keep their brand and their following and can continually able to grow. Right. Cause like, if it just came down to like a money fact, like, you know, somebody could back a content creator with like a fund or something and, you know, do the most ridiculous content in the world. Right. With like, you know, let's say if they raise like, you know, a few million dollars or whatever to start producing content, 
so why do you think these creators are staying at the top of, you know, sort of the top of their game, even, you know, coming into some of the, you know, the, the problems or like, you know, problems that they've faced with like, you know, David Dobrik and, you know, Logan Paul and what's happened, you know, to them recently in the past right. couple of years, like how, why do you think they were able to come back and sort of make it? You know, Logan is the most special, you know, he was able to pivot into other industries and he has such a crazy work ethic and he's such a good dude that, you know, he's able to do anything, fight Floyd Mayweather, anything is possible, you know, but um all, all those guys are just so talented so it was the combination of things you know you can't money never supplements for talent you know so uh so those those guys had it all and I, I think that's that's just why but those are you know out of the 200,000 I'm sure creators out there those are the four like four of the top 20 you know so yeah. it's not it was a very small percentage of people who were able to do what they're doing and everybody yeah. else tries but uh yeah they're they're great. Yeah, 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 100%. So um, now I, I know we're coming to the end here. Um, I, I sort of want to do a bit like uh, something that I've seen that's sort, sort of cool is like, you know, the underrated, overrated thing. And, and I saw that from Gary Vee and I've seen that from you. Um, so what, what, what do you think is something that is underrated of being in your 20s and what is overrated of being in your 20s? Um, <laughs> you know, it's tough to make a blanket statement, but I generally think that partying in your twenties is overrated. Um, and, uh, traveling is underrated. Mm, okay. And then, um, what, what are some underrated platforms, uh, for organic growth right now? And, uh, what are some platforms that you think is like, you know, that's overrated right now? LinkedIn, TikTok, and YouTube are underrated. Uh, overrated are Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Okay. That, that's actually super interesting. So why do you think YouTube is actually underrated right now? Like, cause like you, the, the, like you look at YouTube and everybody says like, you know, it's, oh, it's so hard to grow. It's so hard to grow on YouTube. Um, what, so what, what's your thinking around that being like an underrated platform? Like where do you sort of see YouTube going? Right. The people who are growing on YouTube don't say it's difficult. That's true. <laughs> you know, it's, all, it's all just a matter of perspective. Uh, it, all the algorithms are the same. You make content that people want to watch, they'll serve it to people. They're incentivized to do so based on the advertisers that pay them. So if you can make content that people watch, if, you're, if your video gets 80% watch time and you're not getting more views, I'll pay you because it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. It does not happen. It doesn't exist. So you know, people can complain about it, but if you, if you get people to watch your full videos, you will see the, the rewards add up and same is true for TikTok. It's just shorter versions of it. And people are able to do it without trying really hard, which obviously everybody, including myself was a very lazy person. So I can speak on behalf of lazy people, you know, it's much easier. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now going to, um, you know, what are some creators that you that you see that are sort of underrated for what they're putting out and then some creators that you think are overrated for what they're putting out? Sure, I'll never put somebody down. Oh, well, I, I mean, yes. Sorry, not 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 like that. Yeah, I'll rephrase like that, that question. Like, so what, what, what do you think are some creators that are sort of like, you know, should be, you know, be getting more views or you think that, you know, they're doing a really good job um and, but you you know they're not getting the views that you think they should be getting or that are on you know, yeah the the, the most underrated channel in my opinion is this dude's con samir 
they've put out like entrepreneurial slash business content, YouTube creator content. I'm sure you would like them a lot. They're um they're super underrated in my opinion. But they've been they've been growing a lot more lately, but I think they'll be really big one day. Yeah, yeah, actually, hundred percent. I've I've actually come across their content. I've seen them with like Graham Stefan and like uh, Arak and like a whole bunch of other creators. And I was like, I, I was actually surprised with like I thought they I thought they were going to be a lot bigger. I was like, I was like, their production's on point. Their guests are on point. Like their questions are amazing. I was like, I, I was really interested to see like I was like, like these guys are going to be crazy in the future. <laughs> crazy, they're good dudes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, and now I want to sort of talk about, um, you know, what was like, from your perspective, what was like your best day in business and what was your worst day in business? And what did you sort of learn from that? Best day in business, you know, uh, it's more never again, never really had like a crazy moment, you know, uh, I think every day is the best day and, you know, I've yet to have, I mean, I've, you know, had moments, but, you know, nothing that's even memorable, you know, like, like, uh, like how fighters prepare for a fight, you got to prepare for life, man, you know, in the sense of, uh, you don't, you don't, there's no time to reminisce on things that went wrong. It was only, you take it, you learn from it, you train differently, you adjust, and then you move forward. All I can remember are the best things. Okay. Awesome. So like how that, that's actually super interesting. And, and I love your mindset. Like how did you sort of build that mindset? Was that just like always in you? Like, or, or like, you know, like how, how did you sort of build that to just be like so calm and, you know, just happy with like, you know, and patient, like, you know, the, the, the one thing I struggle with and probably a lot of 20 year olds struggle with is like, you know, being, being patient with, you know, um, producing stuff and putting it out. It's like, you know, a lot of people want to get to the top really fast. Um, and, and you seem like you're very fine and you're very patient with just like taking the road and just building it slowly and getting there. And like, you know, in the next like five years, I, I wouldn't be surprised that you're like probably one of the, like the biggest names or like, let's say the next five to eight years in, you know, basketball as a creator or something of that nature. Right. So like, how did you sort of build that mindset? You know, I think it, I definitely got it through working out. You know, I think working out teach you a ton of stuff and just pushing yourself in general. But I think that let's say, let's say in the future, everything that you want to happen happens. And you were looking back on what you thought at a time where not everything was happening yet. How would you wish you acted at that time? That's how I try to act. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's actually super insightful. Um, so now, now sort of moving forward a little bit, uh, what, and I know we're coming to the end here. So what, what is one question that you wish uh, people would ask you more? Question that I wish people would ask me more. Um, <laughs> what's the most underrated collectible? <laughs> and and what, what would you say on, on that point right now? Biasly speaking, presidential signatures, Lincoln, Washington, you know, you can buy five Abraham Lincoln signatures for the price of one Zion Williamson rookie patch auto card. It's crazy. It's messed up, man. It's messed wow. up. And, and, and 
why do you think like that that that's like that that's like I, I i don't know too much about like you know the collectible space but like what why do you think uh you know that the presidential signatures are gonna like pop or you know that they're underrated right now you know i believe in the stuff that should be in a museum you know people most people don't realize you can own you know full dinosaur fossils you can own things from george washington you know copies of the declaration of independence you know there's crazy stuff out there that you can own in your house that should be in museums. And I think those are the things that really, you know, stand the test of time. Yeah. Yeah. True. hundred percent. Um, but yeah, uh, awesome. Actually, I, I just had one more, uh, one more question that just popped into my head here. Um, so on the whole NFT space, um, are, are, are you currently in that at all? Uh, and, and what, what, like, how, how have you sort of seen that space over the past, like, you know, let's say two years, two, three years. Yeah, so I'm an advisor for an NFT platform called Eternity, and we launched celebrity NFTs. So we've done Tony Hawk, we've done Muhammad Ali through his foundation, Pele. Uh, we've done stuff with uh, Space Force and launched, you know, Nautical. All, all we've done everything. Uh, but I'm excited, excited for for all the jobs in the future, um, and that's been super fun. I just got involved, introduced to the space last year. So I haven't been in it for two or three years, but I'm happy that, you know, I ended up uh, working with a good company like Eternity and it's been super exciting. Mr. Beast is involved um, wow. in our in our platform, you know, so we've got some good people and I'm, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Wow, that, that, that's incredible. And, and is, is the NFTs like sort of reacting to being like similar to like the collect like physical collectibles or are you seeing them like act in like sort of a different way with like you know how people um you know is like how their perception of it is you know they can it's just all a matter of utility like what does this nft do does it get you access to something does it get you something in the real world or is it just art like what what is it and the ones that do well are utility based they get you things um and the ones that don't generally aren't unless they're like you know, art from famous collectors. It's all, it's all situational, but, um, but yeah, there, there's some cool ones out there. I'm a big NFT fan and collector too. Okay. What are some NFTs that you have? I, I don't know if you're, you want to mention them at all or. I mean, on a third day, man, got, got, <laughs> got, a, got, a, got a stack of the collection there. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, well, I, 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 I know you're a busy guy and you, you probably got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, but yeah, thank you again, Buster, for coming on the show. It's been absolutely incredible, you know, hearing, hearing your story, listening to you and you sort of dropping that advice. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, and you know, what other up and coming projects you have going on? Sure, man, I'm, I'm around. You can just look up my name, find me um, if you want. Uh, but no, man, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's super fun. Yeah, yeah. Th thank you, man, for, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure.